Welcome to the show, Comic Fam. Ryan, how you doing? I'm great. How are you feeling today? I am tired. What was your favorite part of your day today? Oh, the hours and hours that I've spent with you today, Tom. Because <laughs> we're here to make a show for the comic book community. Hit the subscribe button. We talk a lot about comic book themed content, and we got a packed one. A fun show. I'm excited. We're going to get into some celebrities that were almost cast to play superheroes. That's going to be fun. We also figured out the secret to making a million dollars by drawing comics. So Ooh. if you want to know the secret to making a million dollars by drawing comics, you should uh, stay tuned. Yeah, we have the answers. It's in this show here today. But we're also going to be discussing the Joker and the sequel that was not supposed to be. Or is it? Or is or is not happening. I don't know. Both of those. But really the heart of the show, and I'm excited to get to it, is key appearances in comic books that you may not know. And I'm talking about advertisements. Yeah, we're going to ruffle some feathers today. But let's jump into the first story. Because the first thing that I want to discuss is something that has come up a couple times in the last few years. But it's coming up more and more right now because Fantastic Four is upon us. Right. Now that Marvel has uh, the Fantastic Four, the 20th Century Fox deal that happened last year, earlier this year, I should say, the Fantastic Four are now an option. That's right. And, uh, you know, they're pretty much guaranteed a sure thing at some point in the future. Okay, we've been hearing about Fantastic Four happening. I mean, Emergency Awesome talks about Fantastic Four and, you know, the next phases of the MCU all the time. What I find interesting is that when there is a picture to put up of, like, the Fantastic Four, if, like, Mr. Fantastic is, you know, being discussed, and there's some type of, like, image that could be put on the screen, who is it that they put there? You know who they don't use? Who? The two different cinematic versions of Fantastic Four that they've already had. That's true. Yeah, you're not going to see Chris Evans or anything like that. No. No, you're going to see a couple other people. We've got John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Like 100% of the time. Right. Right? I feel like they've gotten the role and they haven't even gotten the role yet. It kind of reminds me of how before they picked Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. It was just kind of widely assumed by everybody that that's obviously the guy who needs to play Doctor Strange. And it just kind of happened because the stars aligned. So we hope that the stars do align with this, but this kind of set us off on this path here to find other celebrities that have in the past almost gotten roles. Because as it turns out, both John Krasinski and Emily Blunt have almost been casted as Marvel superheroes. Yeah, they both came actually really close. Like really playing two of the main Avengers. So we got a bunch of them to discuss right now. And let's start them off with this list. Who was John Krasinski almost casted as? And I don't even mean like almost. He had a suit that was tailored to his body. Yeah, they they were up at the costume part of the, you know, of the casting process. So it's like they don't start you with that. Yeah. Yeah. So he made it a few rounds deep into the process. He may have jumped over some stuff. Right. As Captain America. He was testing for Steve Rogers pretty interesting i don't know if i personally see it i think he looks accurate enough i think he looks accurate he has the personality too that's the part that i don't think he has you i don't I, think so I, he's just too jim he's too much jim halpert for me especially if, in a post jim world like i mean obviously he's an action hero now so right. I, I, I i just couldn't see him as captain america he doesn't have like a that leader of men aspect well he didn't 
even think of himself as Captain America because when he saw Chris Hemsworth as Thor, he realized comparing himself. And at the time, I mean, think of when this was happening. The casting of this was a while back. This is before he was bulking up for the different roles that he was that he plays now, all these different action roles. He saw Chris and was like, oh, no, this isn't for me. Yeah, and that was like the peak of, of Hemsworth's early, early Thor appearance. He was still super ripped up in the long hair. And now, this was, isn't Endgame Thor. <laughs> this isn't, yeah, this isn't Thor Ragnarok with the short, funny Thor, you know, fat Thor, or anything like that. This is peak, buff, chiseled, ripped Thor. And yeah, that would make anybody kind of intimidated. But Emily Blunt, this one was, was totally new to me. Didn't know she almost got the role. Black Widow. Black Widow. I could see it too. She kicks ass. Emily she Blunt's does. hardcore. Like she could she could easily done Black Widow. But Emily Blunt didn't get it. Yeah, she uh, she had beaten Scarlett Johansson for the role, but then she dropped out and blamed scheduling conflict. Yeah, this is a weird one because it's kind of hard to believe. Right. I mean, you, she said that she's glad that she's not part of the part of the Avengers and the MCU because she thinks that the role wouldn't wouldn't have been you know important enough to the overall team. And I get I guess there's an argument to be made for that that Black Widow kind of. Not one of the main Avengers. I mean, I think they've been they've been fixing that more and more as we as we've gotten closer to Endgame. And obviously, she's getting the, her own movies. She's soon. getting the up the next movie is hers. Yeah, but Emily Blunt, no go. Right. All right. Here's another one that you may not know. Tom Cruise. Now, Tom Cruise as Iron Man. Could you have seen that? Because this almost happened from 2000 to the mid 2000s before Iron Man one started production we had tom cruise as the main pick yeah he was attached to the movie for a very long time while it was kind of being formulated and created and and ironed out behind the scenes ironed out (laughs) so like depending on how you look at it fortunate or not he was too busy when production actually started and he had to pass on the role. It reminded me of how Channing Tatum has been attached to Gambit for like almost a decade now. But then, you know, they, they're actors. They need to be doing other things and they can't just, you know, keep their schedule open for, you know, an indefinite amount of time until this movie maybe or maybe not get made. Right. So it makes sense. You know, they sign up for other movies. By the time the movie rolls along, they're already booked for something else and they can't come back and do the superhero movie. So you get Robert Downey Jr. instead and everything works out better. Sometimes. Sometimes you also have actors who just look at the we role. Dodged a bullet, dude. I don't know. Tom Cruise as Tony Stark would have been awful, awful, awful. I don't know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't see it. I, I, I can't see it. it uh. I can't see it. There's in, in no way would that have been good. Sometimes they miss their opportunity, but other times the actor or actress looks at the role and they're like, "Nah, I don't want it." Like in Leonardo DiCaprio's case. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I didn't realize this was an older, an older movie. They, he was he was uh, one of their choices to play Robin in Batman Forever. So this was like this was like pre Titanic, DiCaprio. So it was kind of before he blew up. But he looked at but he was blowing up though. Yes, he was already making a splash. I think with from, from Gilbert Grape, and uh, they were looking. He he looked at what was being created in Batman Forever. You think he saw anything? Or he just was like, I'm not going to be wrong. The way I see it is he just walked onto the set and looked around and saw all the like the neon and the, the motorcycle race and the bat nipples. They wanted him to be Robin. They like, really like, wanted him to play Robin. Yeah. yeah. And he looked. At, I, I just visualize him looking around and just turning around and walking out being like, I'm good. I'm going to go make this boat movie. I'm going to go do basketball diaries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He did <laughs> basketball he diaries. Did. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a much better choice. Well, and then that wasn't the only role he turned down. He was actually picked to play Spider-Man, but ended up passing on the role. 
and it ended up being given to Tobey Maguire, who's he's really good friends with. And I remember hearing the buzz for him playing Riddler a while ago, too. I'm, I'm glad that didn't really work out either. Ooh, we're getting into some Batman characters here pretty mm. soon. I hold tight. But let's talk about Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, on the rise right now, I mean, he just he's in the biggest R-rated movie ever. We're going to get to that as well. But he wasn't always slated to play Joker. He was actually going to play somebody in the Marvel they Universe. They really wanted him for Doctor Strange, which I could have seen. I think he could have done Doctor Strange in a really cool way. Benedict Cumberbatch is almost like a like a Robert Downey Jr. kind of gift from from above, right? Like that person is just supposed to be that character, but I think Joaquin would have been really good as a Doctor Strange. He just didn't feel comfortable signing on to like the giant commitment and the contract for like ten movies or whatever they That's made him sign. A lot, man. Right? I mean, how even how many movies has has Cumberbatch even been in already? Like three or four? Yeah, it's a big commitment and. It's understandable, especially when the Joker movie was being solicited as a one-shot go at this character origin. To, yeah, that's easier to sign up for if you know it's just just a one-time thing. Like I can do that. All right, now we're talking about Joker. You know, Joker has been a character that has been almost played by so many people. So we went through a really, really nice list, and we picked out some of our favorites and ones that actually surprised us. Right. There's uh, Willem Dafoe was on this list. Yeah. Willem Dafoe, how cool would that be? That guy kind of looks like the Joker, man. Right? I don't think he can play Green Goblin and Joker. I think one of those is, they're too similar to to play both of them, but I think he could have done really, really good as the Joker. So he lost out to Jack Nicholson. So you got to, you know, put yourself in here the time frame who he was going up against because he would seem like a really good potential for that character. Yeah. I would think. But there's also some other people who have tried but failed to get that spot. I mean, Adrian Brody, this guy wants to be the Joker. He's practically begging. He tried twice. Yeah, he wanted to play Joker in uh, The Dark Knight and also for uh, Suicide Squad. He was he was trying to get Joker two times, like the two most recent times it was, it was available. Yeah, I really wanted it. Unlike another actor that had an opportunity to play Joker, but didn't want to do it, John Lithgow. Yeah, apparently Tim Burton wanted him to play Joker. For his first movie, uh, before Jack Nicholson came on board, but John Lithgow really wasn't feeling it, so he kind of—it sounds like he sent in a bad audition tape on purpose or something like that. Like he—he he did something to sabotage his own audition, so that you know they kind of had no choice but to not pick him. Did you say sandwich? Did you say sandwich? No, I was saying that before, not now. Now I am saying sabotage. Sandwich? Sandwich? Sabotage? 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 Yeah, he sabotaged himself. He said that that's one of his worst acting submissions he's ever done i would love to see it though yeah me too you know what else i would really like to see tim curry doing the joker voice but the guy got bronchitis think about it though we could have had we could have had a complete like mark hamill almost didn't get the role it was for the animated series right tim curry had it but he got sick like he had that role yeah got sick so they got mark hamill instead and now people say he's potentially the best joker like like people like russ that's true russ loves his batman and you know what this next story I was very, very surprised to hear. Never knew that this next celebrity, may he rest in peace, actually got the role of Joker and something shady happened. There was a bit of a behind-the-scenes battle going on during the uh, creation of Batman, Tim Burton's Batman in 1989. They wanted Jack Nicholson for the role, so they offered the role of Joker to Jack Nicholson, but he kind of took a little while to decide. So they also offered the role to Robin Williams. Williams accepted. Yeah. 
He thought he was going to be Joker. The dude was probably practicing. Yeah, and then Jack Nicholson accepted because they didn't know that they, uh, the offer had been made to the other actor. Neither of them knew that they were... Competing. You know, right. The studio went with Jack Nicholson, and Robin Williams felt so burned by that that he actually refused to work for WB until they apologized to him. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, it's kind of sad, and it makes you it makes you think about all the other times that that must have happened behind the scenes, like that kind of those kind of politics, you know, right. the, the behind the scenes scheming that goes on in Hollywood. So I didn't know about that one. I want to know from the community if there's any other ones that we may have missed. I mean, there's a lot of stories out there. I'm thinking they may have some ideas. Put them in the comment section below. It'll enter you to win a giveaway. We have. Two giveaways to announce from last week's video. Shout out to Shane Lorison. We're going to be sending you this copy of ASM 315. Great McFarlane cover, Hydroman appearance. We're also going to be sending Burdell a copy of Show's End, number one, the Comic Tom exclusive. Ryan, tell the community about our sponsor. Key Collector Comics? The best app in the world. It's a pretty good app. You should probably check it out if you want to improve your comic book hunting. That's right. And you mean it, Ryan. You use Key Collector all the time. I do. I use it all the time. I got the uh, I got the Lovecraft notification last week and and that's still that's still kind of all I all I'm thinking about, man. I I get key, I get key collector mainly for the for the notifications. That's well, my favorite part. Why don't we tell the community about a recent key alert because this is a service that unlocks if you are using the full service. If you use code TOM101, just look for that welcome button right on the home screen. You put that code in, you get a free week subscription. Well, you're going to get key alerts. And a key alert went out this week. This is just the latest comic book information that is affecting the comic book industry. This news got me so pumped. Sin City. Mm. Optioned news Again. That's what I'm talking about. I just checked my phone and that was just there waiting for me. Sin City's going to be a TV show. Optioned by Legendary Entertainment for a TV series and also a possible animated series. That could Ooh. be dope. So there's a couple comic books here that are suggested for you to ponder. You have Sin City, A Dame to Kill for number one. Of course. Of course. Right. Comic book. It's a classic. But you also have the first appearance of Sin City. A lot of people don't know what happened in a graphic novel. That graphic novel is a fifth anniversary special. No number, and I happen to be sitting in front of one right now. If you comment down below, I'll enter you to win this copy. Ryan. Yes? We need to talk about that book right there. This one? That one right there, Batman 83. Spoiler warning, but how would you summarize what happens in this issue? Bare Bones' quick summary would be that it is about Bruce Wayne coming to terms with the death of Alfred. And it is incredibly sad. Yes. Right? Like, And this is just one of those moments that I feel like is a great example, prime example of why individuals aren't very crazy about the Tom King run. What did you say? Tom King's run on Batman has been controversial, to say the least. He's been doing all 83 of these issues released so far since the uh, start of the ba of the DC Rebirth era in 2016. It hasn't exactly been the most popular run. Why is that? Why would you compare? Because I think people are comparing this run to Snyder's run. Right. It was right before it. There were some moments in Snyder's run that were that are legendary. The sure. Court of Owls, in particular, I think is going to go down in history. But there's, I don't think there's been anything so far in the Scott in the Tom King run that is that powerful and epic and and you know important in the long term. So I think I think people are kind of comparing it to Scott Snyder because that's the most recent example of a of a Batman run we've had before this. This is definitely more of a emotional Bruce in this run. 
Right. Snyder actually made press back in 2013 when asked about Bruce's relationship status in his comic book run. Like they wanted to know back then when he was writing, like, is Bruce going to be dealing with any important relationship stuff in this run? And Snyder's response was, oh no, his relationship is with the city of Gotham. Yeah, he's a Gotham sexual. Yeah, that was actually the quote, Gotham sexual. Yes. So the focus of Bruce is going to be fighting crime. Like, There's no time for anything else. Like, You're literally, there's no time. You're going to be turning the comic book upside down. You're going to be so busy. Bruce Wayne doesn't have any time to deal with, you know, with any like marriage stuff or or date stuff. Feelings, you know, but no time. No time. But I think that's the difference here because I feel like Tom King recognized that and then went that route hard. Not everyone appreciates that. If you have too much of the same stuff back to back, like if Tom King had just taken the you know taken the baton and kept going in in that direction with like big epic you know all this you know kind of end game Joker stuff that was happening, Death of the Family, all these crazy big important events that Scott Snyder was throwing at Batman, whereas Tom King yeah has taken kind of a stripped down more personal Bruce Wayne approach. Yeah, Bruce Wayne goes on a on a date. You know, in this issue, that was that was, one, was of one of the coolest my, issues of the whole run. Was one of the best issues. Yeah, the double date with uh, Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Right. There was a lot of cool, interesting issues in the build up to the wedding in issue fifty, which you can definitely say is like the linchpin, I think, of the whole of the whole run, at least so far. And I think individuals thought, you know, they were let down by the wedding, but I think that what was more surprising is that the wedding wasn't as wasn't a focus on Bruce's proposal and. And Bruce getting married to Catwoman. It ended up being about Catwoman's decision to not marry Bruce, to be unhappy, to not take Batman away from Gotham. It ended up being a whole Catwoman thing. And yeah. people thought not very highly of that. I mean, I can see it. And I, I, I can respect her decision, you know, thinking that it's better for the city of Gotham to have Batman around. I prefer him not married. Yeah, apparently there was a lot of people wanting to see what Bruce Wayne's life would have been like, you know, as a as a family man. And I I don't. I agree. And this issue, Batman 83, I would say what 90 plus percent of it is a letter that's being read. You don't see Bruce read the letter, but it's very touching. And the entire issue is Bruce realizing that he lost the father figure that he had. It's like a third parent that he lost. And it's 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 really hitting him hard. He mentions that, you know, after after losing Selena Kyle and Catwoman, then now he's lost Alfred and he's just kind of struggling with this new status quo. And it's you can definitely see the struggle that Batman is going through in this issue. He's there's a lot of like angry, sad panels and violent outbursts. Yes. And I personally I'm okay with one of these issues. I don't need to see I don't need to see my Batman punching people and, and fighting the Joker every single issue. I'm right there with you, man. I can deal with the lack of violent conflict and fighting and detective work for just good narrative. I think these kind of issues also work better in context. So like when this run is done or in like a couple of months when you have a few issues after this to read, I think as part of a as a as a trade, as a collected story, this will this will fit a lot better into the into the grand scheme. But waiting a month after something like this can feel a little a little depressing for some people. I can say one thing: hearing the callbacks to the wedding, it makes me appreciate those issues a bit more. 
now reading what Bruce is going through. He's dealing with mental illness. He's dealing with depression. He definitely enjoys those sad topics. But a topic that I really do enjoy myself, though, is viewer comments. Viewer comments. From Raphael. I have not read Lock and Key, but Joe Hill's Basketful of Heads is one of my favorite books this year. The dialogue in this book is the most organic dialogue I've read in a comic book. Amazing. I agree. You've read Lock and Key. I read the first trade. It's been a long time. I need to go back and actually commit to the whole series. My dad really likes Lock and Key. Your dad really does like Lock and Key. That makes me a little more inclined to read it. You know, I know him. So if I don't like Lock and Key, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after your dad. There you Pretty go. much how that's going to happen. But we're also talking about some other stuff that's kind of in that same... In that same Hill House theme, area. Right? Yeah. The Dollhouse family. We, we're we're going to talk about that in the after show. That's right. Stay tuned for the after show. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, where we turn the cameras off, but we keep it going. We keep talking about comic books audio only. All right. This next comment is from Capital J, 1414. Thanks for commenting. Green Lantern is awesome. I love that's. I want to say there's, I picked it for other reasons, but you know, mostly once, once I read that sentence. Bias pick. Yes. I don't even care who they pick. They're all great options. He's talking about the TV show they're going to make, sure. what it's going to be based on. I doubt that they will make it Alan Scott, but there will for sure be a nod to him. I'd love to see Jon Stewart. And that's, I had to kind of pick. I mean, there were a whole bunch of comments about, about the, uh, the Green Lantern uh, series. And uh, I don't know. This one, this one felt good to me. Like, it's the most open. Like, there's... There's so many ways they can take that show, and that's kind of going to be the most interesting thing about it is to see what how it eventually what they eventually decide to base it off of. I was listening to Variant Comics' new podcast, Eris and Tim, talking about this and mentioning like how cool would it be? I don't think this is going to happen, but if you turn on this show and you have just the different lanterns all fighting each other in space, cosmic craziness, just like the different colors. Like we were chatting about how difficult right. it would be to get there. But what, what if, if they just started they just off? They just did it. They just right? threw it on the screen. That's risky. It's risky, but it, then, it made nuts. me smile it to hear him talk about it. I'm like, I would like it. It would be cool if they right? just if they took it like super seriously and just went for it. It'd be risky, but I'd really like to see that too. Next comment we have is from Jason Lamberth. Venom does have a theme song by Eminem. Oh, he does have a theme song. We were talking about Venom theme songs that don't exist, yeah. but we forgot, obviously, the most important theme song of, of all superheroes. I don't know, man. I kind of should have done this in the superhero that. theme song quiz. <laughs> Which one the, is this? The yeah. Venom, 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 Venom. I got that How would you not know? I don't know what hit him. So bad, man. That's that was ta- that was terrible. I did not enjoy that song. That's it. Just it literally, I blocked it from my memory. I forgot that that Eminem song even existed. And if you don't know what we're talking about. It's the superhero themes. We did a quiz, and we'll put the link to it. And I was trying to stump Ryan. You got a good amount of them right. You also got a good amount of stumpage over on me, though. I, I was pretty stumped for, for a significant portion. I think it was 50-50, I think, is what I got. Exactly half. There you go. That's a good ratio. I don't even... I don't know. This is just letters. J-L-P-E-T-C. Jill Pitts. Jill Pitts. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for uh, leaving a comment, Jill Pitts. Good to see the foreign niche getting some due attention. And so earlier I said I had to pick from a bunch of different Green Lantern comics, but the most of the comments on the last podcast that I was on here were in response to the foreign comics section that we oh, did. Oh, holy smokes, dude. The foreign comics section of that podcast was lit in the comment section. Yes, I would, I would suggest that that might be one of the more successful segments we've done in a very long time. Like the, the feedback we got on that was insane. The feedback was crazy. 
And you know what, Matthew Royball, he hit me up after the fact thanking me. And it was so cool to see messages in the group, which I put the group link in the bio of that video. So oh, if you cool. wanted to join like a foreign collectors group on Facebook and see some cool things, you can. I'm actually trying to pull up right now on eBay. There was a listing that was just so crazy that went up that I wanted to share with the community. So this right here is a Fantastic Four number one UK version. Okay, this came out in 1962. And it's by Creepy Worlds is the name of this comic book. And it looks like just the standard Fantastic Four cover, but it's like an oversized, appearing to be oversized, a bit bigger than a piece of paper. And here's what's really cool about this thing. Aside from it being listed for $60,000, okay, because this is a foreign gem, these things you can't find, especially ones that are sought out after like issue number one. But this one doesn't just come with a certificate of authenticity. It comes with the four plates that were used to make the freaking comic, like the metal plates. That they like stamped onto the paper? Like, oh, wow. Yeah, like they're different color and everything. Printing press stuff. Yeah, it's oh, so okay. cool, man. So 60 grand, you can get that foreign piece of history. But yeah. it's stuff like this that just randomly comes up that gets can, people excited. We can make that happen, right? Just $60,000. We'll pull it together. That's right. 30 from me, 30 from you. Boom. Good to go. It's ours. We can make our own Fantastic Four number one. That's right. UK version. That's right. With the plates. Okay. Time to pay some respects. We had a member of the comic book industry and community pass away this past week. And I'll be honest with the community. This is not someone who I was as familiar with. And it's one of those moments where I find myself, you know, looking into creators a little bit more. I mean, he passed. I wish I would have known more of his, more of his work back when he was living because he was doing conventions and things like that. Right. But we have Tom Lyle, the co-creator of Scarlet Spider and Stephanie Brown passes away at 66. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those one of those cases where you are aware of what they have done more so than who they are and what else they have done, right? Like he's responsible for designing Scarlet Spider, like that iconic hoodie outfit. Yeah, that That's, was him. Yeah. And the spandex that he wears. Mm-hmm. So Lyle is known for drawing three Robin limited issue series. Um alongside of Chuck Dixon. He did that those runs. We all know those comics, man. I, I mean think those I have are one. OG you know, polybagged, right? Yeah, is the polybagged ones, you know? Yep. And he also is credited for co creating Stephanie Brown, who is the spoiler, who is actually the only DC character to be both Robin and Batgirl. That's going to be something that I don't think anybody else is going to approach for quite a while. That's a, that's a very, very unique accomplishment. He was actually a professor in recent years for the Savannah College of Art and Design. That's kind of cool. He's not active making comics but teaching the next generation of artists you know how to how to be creators and that's that's more important right right that's more important than being a creator if you can if you can if you're so talented to be able to inspire other people to develop a skill themselves that's yeah. worth a lot more yeah it's the mark of a true professional and i mean i don't know it's really hit me this week because this is something that has, that happens often and i think it happens to a lot of people but sometimes it takes something sad like this happening to bring someone's awareness out, you know, and it's hard to keep up with so many different people in this community, but then you find yourself going, shoot, this was someone awesome. And I missed out on my opportunity. Yeah. That's a, that's kind of a, a sad, you know, underlying element of this is it's a, it's a learning opportunity. Now we know who Tom Lyle is, unfortunately, and 
Not until, not until it's too late. Right. He was survived by his wife, Sue. And there's actually a GoFundMe. We're going to put that link in the bio because there were medical costs that were pretty extravagant in the final days of his passing, unfortunately. All right. Apparently, they've, they've met the, uh, this GoFundMe. But it's, it's still cool that it's, that it's up. And it can still be contributed to if that's something you feel inclined to do. Well, and the section by reading what Dan Slott tweeted, I mean, he was a longtime Spider-Man writer. He said, sorry to hear that the legendary Spider-Man artist Tom Lyle has passed away. Tom's work on both Spidey and the Scarlet Spider were epic. The Scarlet Spider design, Tom's design, will always be an amazing touchstone for Spidey fans like me in all generations past, present, and future. Nice that you get that you get one Spider-Man creator kind of eulogizing another. It's a nice little sense of community there. Absolutely, the community is strong, and uh, best wishes to the Lyle family. All right, the next subject of the show right here, right now, we got to talk about is the Joker. The Joker, dude. I've been thinking about this movie a lot since I watched it, and you know what? I came full circle. At first, I was like, eh, I'm on the fence. Pretty good movie. Then. I was like, you know what? That was a freaking really good movie. That was a really creative movie. And the one thing that really got me excited, really, really, I'm going to say really like three more times. I really, really was really excited to know that that was it. Yes. That that's all they were going to do. I was actually, my, my first, when I first watched it, I've seen it twice now. The first time I watched it, I was hoping that it would end maybe like five, 10 minutes before it actually ended. Like right. with him in the back of the police car, maybe being dead. Right. Like, like before he got up and like, you know, had the crowd cheering for him and stuff. I was kind of hoping that, you know, it would just end with him getting killed. So there's no sequel. More questions. Right. Right. We want things left unanswered so that we can c- communicate about it. Converse style. Yeah. Let's just figure out like what's going on. And then in 20 years, have a HBO rendition of what happened in the future of that world mm. take place. You know, something like that. Tying them all together. You know, let's tie it together. But no, not so fast because I woke up today and what? There's going to be a Joker sequel? Yeah, apparently. Hollywood reporters talking about how the Joker sequel and Todd Phillips has met with people over at Warner Brothers about making a, apparently a whole new set of movies about other DC characters done in the same Joker kind of style. Wait, wait what's going on? He's like having meetings with studio people. What? That's okay, okay. Up until like yesterday, yes. it was no one wants to touch this movie. One shot, like one, that's it. Joker, and that's it. No sequel. Yeah, nobody. Not the director, not the writer, not Joaquin Phoenix. you know the people at the studio are looking at the the record-breaking, you know, over the... It's one of four DC movies to cross the billion-dollar mark, and it by far cost the least amount of money to make, so it's the most profitable. So you know that there's people at the top of the studio just, like, mm, salivating over the prospect of another Joker, another movie that's cheap and super successful like this. Todd Phillips said to be making $100 million from this movie. Not bad. Not a bad pickup. Not bad at all. Okay, but now, Hollywood Reporter saying that they're meeting Warner Brothers, that they're figuring stuff out, and that he went to Warner Brothers with a bunch of characters that he wanted to do origin stories about. Yeah. Like, like a, more than one. Kind of like a, a little a little miniature cinematic universe in a sense, almost. Oh, what is happening, Ryan? Nothing apparently is happening. That's the that's the second twist here. Wait a minute. Okay, so I woke up this morning, 6 a.m. This is being talked about. And then, the, and this is done by Hollywood Reporter, too. This isn't like just TV Guide or something. Some low-key internet site that nobody knows about. Hollywood Reporter's, you know, a pretty respectable... Hollywood reporting magazine. But then Deadline. Yes. 
10 hours later reporting that the Hollywood Reporter, well, you moved too fast. Yeah, pump your brakes, like slow down. There has been no confirmation of any Todd Phillips, Warner Brothers studio people talking about anything happening. There's been nothing, nothing has changed, is basically what they're saying. Comic Book Resources was saying this morning, post the Joker sequel announcement, that we had the same writer. Todd Phillips was going to be tied to it. Joaquin Phoenix was probably... probably yeah, it was likely going to come back. They didn't say it, he would for sure come back. They said probably. So right. I thought that was interesting. I'm like, That sounds why? like somebody had thought about it. That sounds like it's been researched, and it's a little bit more than just a conjecture about a sequel maybe happening. It sounds like there was some concrete information being put out there. It just says that their sources gave them this information. Right. So we don't know yet. Maybe by the time you're watching this comic, fam, there'll be more information about this. But I have a feeling that there's going to be a sequel. The way Hollywood works is is this almost guaranteed there's going to be a sequel. With the amount of money that this is making, it's foolish for them to not try to do it again. And it's, I don't know. I don't think they should because I don't think a lightning can strike twice. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, because the rumors of... Todd Phillips trying to bring other DC origins to this type of R-rated Elseworld style that he was able to successfully bring to a billion-dollar franchise. Right. Well, it's got people speculating. And the Hollywood Reporter put at the very bottom that, well, it's not likely that it's going to be you know, certain villains over others, but the ones that we think could be would be Darkseid and Lex Luthor. They were thinking he would be a good fit for a Darkseid movie. Or a Lex Luthor movie, which makes a little more sense to me than Darkseid. But but this is like their opinion. Yeah. And we're seeing articles pick that up as, oh, this right here is a possibility. Like they were on the table of, or something. Yeah. But from what I can read in this report, it seems like this is just their opinion. That's just what they would like him to do. Or what they had... can conceive him doing. Yeah. I wouldn't mind him making a Lex Luthor film. It would have to feel different than a Joker movie because Lex be Luthor tough. is more of an alpha than Joker, who is definitely not in charge of what's happening to him. And I don't know if you can do another villain origin story like the Joker. I don't know if you can have lightning strike twice like that. Exactly. Yeah, they might need to try something. A little, maybe maybe not do a villain. Maybe just go be, take the weird route and do a hero origin story. Like, let's let's see that again. Let's do. A, they should make another movie about Spider-Man's origin. I want to know what happened to his <laughs> uncle. <laughs> you want to see another Spider-Man origin? Yeah. Let's just do another Joker origin. Completely different. Dude. Jared Leto. Again, try it out again. Good idea. Right? Bring everyone back. What do you think, comic fam? Let us know in the comment section below. What do you think about this news? Do you think it's going to happen? I think it's going to happen. I think it's almost guaranteed to happen. I just don't know if it should. What if Joaquin doesn't want to do it? What right? if he says no, just like he said no to Doctor Strange? Ah, uh, man, that'd be that'd be weird if they just had to recast it. That would, that would put it... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to see it without Joaquin. All right. So I want to look at some key comic books, kind of. I want to look at comic books that are key appearances to some collectors, but not others. It's going to be confusing. Yes. A little bit. Bear with us. Let's let's just jump it right into it, okay? The first thing I want to talk about is release dates. Let's talk about the release date of Hulk 181. Sure. November 1974. November 1974 actually had other comic books released along that same month. There were three other comic books that I want to bring up to the community that are special for this reason, because they came out in November of 1974. The first one is Thor 229. Also Iron Fist number 19. And then, of course, you have Daredevil issue 115. All three of these issues have an ad for Hulk 181 in the comic book. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about advertisements 
for key comic books and whether or not those advertisements make the comic that they're in a key book. Hmm. I guess it depends on your definition of key. Right? A lot of things could be listed as a key appearance. And to be honest, I default to the collector. It's to the collector's opinion if a book is a sure. key appearance because it's what makes them special. I mean, there are thousands upon thousands and thousands of comic books. And yes, sometimes there is a first appearance, but we also argue about first appearances all the time. So choosing which is a key and which is not, it's really up to the collector. And these books right here are actually key books, but if you look online, you're only going to see them being sold for the most part because of either grade or because of that promo that's in there that's listing that advertisement for the first appearance of Wolverine. I can see that. If you're a really, really big fan of Wolverine, it's kind of it's kind of almost more interesting. Like the obvious choice is Hulk 181. Or 180 or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. Something something the clear the clear obvious choice. But a kind of cooler piece of trivia almost is to say, like, actually, you know, this is like the advertisement for that issue. Technically, this is the first appearance of that of that comic. It's it's kind of it's kind of a cool idea. And these key appearances are largely cheaper, typically than the first full appearance that the community has deemed worthy. And it got me thinking, advertisements and other promotional items that cause these, what we like to call real first appearances on the show. I want to move on and talk about some other promo items, if you don't mind. Like sea monkeys? Like sea monkeys. No, no, actually, I'm not talking about sea monkeys. I'm talking about um, actual monkeys you can buy. No, 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 actually, I'm not even talking about that because those are things that advertisements that are in some comic books. All right. No, no, not talking about buying monkeys. I'm talking about your ability to buy an up and coming comic book in a month called booster gold. Number one. So obviously you're talking about the DC releases, uh, promo from February, 1986. Of course. The first appearance of booster gold. It's official. It is his first appearance in printed form. Came out a month before the actual comic book that he was out in. It's like a flyer. Counts. I think that counts. You know what's interesting is that it counts. And on eBay, you can find this. There's very few of them available. This is something a lot of people don't know. It even says free on the top right-hand corner. This was an advertisement given to stores to just give to consumers who largely threw them away. Who takes care of that stuff? You know, the ones that survive, they get listed for over 150 bucks. That's more money than like a low-grade full run of Booster Gold. They gave it out for free. They gave it out for free. Now, that's a promo flyer. Let's talk about some other promotional items that have some key appearances. Maybe Booster Gold doesn't do it for you. Let's talk about Venom. Okay. We've discussed the first appearance of Venom and the controversy here. Or Are you at least thinking the, about the song again? <laughs> Venom, Venom, Venom. I'm thinking about the song again. It always like, comes back to Eminem, dude. For like uh, the next week, anytime I hear Venom, it's going to be the song. <laughs> that's unfortunate. All right, ASM 300, right? right? First full appearance of Venom. But of course. he's got a full page spread in 299. Right. Okay. Classic. That's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's a classic appearance. It's no big deal. But let's talk about some earlier appearances of Venom. What? Earlier appearances? What? What? Yes, there are earlier appearances. Um, and let's actually talk about months and dates here because these things are important. So ASM 300 was released in May 1988. Then we have... ASM 299 in April 1988. Okay. You know, it's a month before. Makes sense, right? Well, a month before that, in March 1988, you have Comic Scene issue number two. This is a magazine. Has a release date of March 1988. 
And this inside has previews of Spider-Man showing Venom, this new character. This one is something special, too, because it's not just a preview that shows you what the cover is going to look like in a tiny little black and white picture down in the corner. It's got, like, Eddie Brock, like, full Venom with the, you know, the face of Eddie on there. Like, the mask is off. But the suit of Venom and everything, right? yeah, the symbol mm-hmm. and all. It's not just a tiny little shadowy picture. It's kind of like a, almost like a character breakdown introduction of Venom. So it's, it's pretty thorough. It's thorough, and it's one that, as a real first, has been known in the community for quite some time. If you go on eBay, you're going to see, you know, a handful of copies listed and they're all listed above a hundred bucks. I mean, they do sell for over 150 and especially those higher grade copies because magazines are oversized. They're harder to keep, you know, clean. And who has magazine sized bags and boards just laying around? Exactly. It's kind of that Batman dam situation, only worse because this was like a throwaway magazine, wasn't a prestige comic book. Right. So this is listed you know, in the comic book collector's community as the first, like, real appearance of Venom. But you can go back even further. How far back can you go? You can go back to December 1987, a full four months prior to that, to Amazing Heroes issue number 131. This is another advertisement within a comic publication soliciting up-and-coming comic sales potential comics you can buy and in this preview a full six months or so prior to spider-man 300 you have a shot of venom that's it that's pretty clear cut and that's so much earlier too now i want to point the community's attention to this picture of comic reader issue 100 this is another one of those comic promotional items this is something that came out in 1973 and this right here I have to give a huge thank you to Octavio, one of our writers, for finding this. This isn't the only one on this list, actually, that has been uncovered by Octavio. He's a writer on the ComicTom101.com slash blog, and he actually uncovered a bunch of these. And this one right here from 1973 may be the first time we see a Marvel-DC crossover. I mean, this is early as hell, but this wraparound cover doesn't just have Superman and Shazam on the front, but on the back features Batman and a very patriotic hero drawn by Jack Kirby. Captain America, Marvel and DC right there. So unless there is an earlier one, and comic fam, please, any of these types of things, like really, it's a can of worms. When we start looking at these real first appearances, Ryan, what typically happens? Someone knows something that happened earlier than that. There's another publication. Exactly. Something comes out of the woodwork. I mean, we went down the Harley Quinn, like, cave of just, just endless shadows crooks and crannies and we kept uncovering stuff over and over again it's definitely a rabbit hole situation you start and it just keeps going and going and going if, if you know any of these real first appearances to have other real first appearances let us know in the comment section below but this one from 1973 i mean that's early marvel like the earliest crossover between the companies i know of offhand is the one from the 80s right the jla avengers that happened in the 80s i believe right and this is a promotional item so this may have been licensed or unlicensed i'm not entirely sure i'm interested to pick up a copy to get a closer look at this thing yeah it feels it feels less at least less promoted than the uh than the other ones i was thinking of so now we have some other just kind of filler ads you know comics advertise for other comics similar to the Hulk 181 ads we discussed earlier in the show. 
Right here we have ads for Avengers number one. The first one in Strange Tales issue number 112. That'd be so cool to go back and you're just reading that comic and you see an ad for something that's so important. Right. Before it even became a thing. Just an ad for you know some random comic that's not even, you know, hopefully people read this uh, Avengers comic that we're thinking of putting out soon. Yeah, hopefully it sells well. Yeah. Got a guy named Jack Kirby doing the, the cover. Yeah, the, uh, the time Interior. capsule aspect of, of comic books. That's something I love is seeing all the old ads in there. Not only for, for Sea Monkeys and Hostess Snack Cakes, but seeing up ads for upcoming comics that aren't out yet. That's pretty exciting. Fantastic Four issue number 18, which is the first appearance of Super Scroll, mm. also has an Avengers 1 ad as well. Win-win. But what's interesting here is like, FF18, of course, as a key book, is looked at as that you know key moment for the Super Scroll appearance. But that Strange Tales 112, there really isn't much going on in that book. I mean, it's cool Silver Age, but that Avengers 1 ad, that really takes the cake for big appearances in that book. That's the best thing about Strange Tales is the, is the Avengers ad in that one single issue. It's what gets put on listings a, a bit more than just like the standard publication information. Yeah. Now... We are bringing this up today because Octavio found a really cool one and one that got me excited so much that I had to go out and purchase it because I had to see it in person. Stuff. So I started out with the Hulk 180-181 timeline. And this is important because we're going to break from this to go to a, like a little rant because I just I got to do it. I got to uh -huh. do it because it's just confusing to me. And I think it's freaking hilarious. So Hulk 180, cameo of Wolverine, right? Uh-oh. Hulk 181, first appearance of Wolverine. Here we go. Hulk 182, second, third, or second cameo full appearance. I'm already confused. And this isn't me, dude. This is like what's on CGC labels. Because if you look at Giant Size X-Men number one, which came out the following year in summer 1975 on the label, it says this is Wolverine's second Full appearance. Now, if we go by facts, does this character appear in the comic book at all? Like, can you see this character at all? Anything. He's in Hulk 180. He's in Hulk 181. He's in Hulk 182. And he's in Giant Size X-Men number one. But only two of those count. And this is awfully close to flipping off the community, but I'm going to keep it going. Two. Two of, of different those. appearances. What's happening? I don't know. It seems to me like there's four right there. You, just, you had four fingers up, and but only, only two of them seem to count. Well, it's because the appearance in 180 and 182 are all but thrown away as it pertains to full versus cameo appearances. But we're talking about advertisements for a reason, and Octavio brought the heat. He found one that is gone missed by so many collectors, and I'm excited to report on it today. We have... Comic Reader Issue 117. Take a look at this, Ryan. And what does that say on the front? It looks to me like it says April 1975. July is typically what's listed as the date that Giant Size came out, even if we were to be conservative and say, hey, some stores got it one or even two months before that. This Comic Reader from 1975 has a half-page spread advertisement of Giant Size X-Men number one. Sure does. I saw it myself. That's right. We have a... Okay, at this point, we can say the first appearance of Giant Size, which is the new team, right? Because this is 
predating giant size X-Men, but we can also look at this as the potential real first appearance of the second full appearance of Wolverine <sighs> or the third unofficial first appearance of Wolverine. But it doesn't matter because really it doesn't matter if you like Logan and you like Wolverine and you like Chris Claremont and you like new X-Men, this is something that you're going to be interested in. And that's all that matters. Indeed. What do you think about all this, Ryan? This is crazy stuff. This is crazy stuff. How that's, does it? How does it feel that like this kind of stuff keeps coming out? That's the thing about rabbit holes, man. You start digging and it just keeps going, and you don't realize how far down the rabbit hole really goes. I want to know from the community: Is this crazy? Is it crazy to look at appearances and advertisements and, and promotional items as key appearances? It's a little crazy, but I don't think it's not interesting. I don't think it's not relevant. It makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, I've gone on record. We got over 400 videos on this channel. I've said it multiple times, dude. I've spent stupid money on Hellboy stuff. Yes. Promotional Hellboy items because I'm a Hellboy collector. And I was a purist, man. I was a diehard. I wanted not just the 9.8. I wanted the 9.9 copy. Like I wanted to have the lowest census count for promotional, what have you. I want a raw copy. I want a signed copy. I want a yellow label copy. I wanted it all. When I was deep into it, I really wanted to have the best collection that I could be proud of, display it, and however I wanted to display it because that changed all the time. That's what I wanted. So I look at something like this and go, you know what? Who am I to say as someone who is interested in a freaking modern character? Like, I'm interested in a modern character. What's wrong with modern, Tom? There's nothing wrong with it. That's right. There's nothing wrong with modern comics. There is nothing wrong with modern comics, but as a collector... Most people just like, oh, you're talking about something modern. That's gone to me. Yes. Like You're either collecting silver or gold, or I don't even want to think about it. But I can relate. I can relate to all the collectors because Hellboy's my thing, and I put those filters on, and I'm okay with it. So I want to hear what the community thinks. These promotional items, do you dig them? Because there's an awesome category on our sponsors app, Key Collector Comics. You got to go through this category. This category is the character preview category on Key Collector on the app. You, It shows you a big list of all these different characters and, and some comic series, it looks like. It shows you not the first appearance of them in comics, but the first in advertisement appearance of them in comics like we've just been discussing here. And there's like over 50 of them and counting. It's a big list. Yeah, so one to... Have fun going through and see if you can find some of these on the hunt because these largely go missed. And I can tell you, this comic reader surprised a lot of people that I showed. Like a lot of dealers don't know about this thing. It looks cool to me because it looks like Green Lantern riding a horse, but that's. He kind of does look like Green Lantern, doesn't he? Yeah. All right. Well, you know what, Ryan? We've talked about this company before on the mic we've actually discussed them in length because there's been this ongoing rivalry between terrific productions llc the production company that owns the rights to young blood young blood rob liefeld's masterpiece it's what we're gonna all remember rob liefeld for it's young blood mm -hmm. they own the rights to it and rob and them how would you even describe their relationship right now bad like terrible not good like we've covered stories where they're just going back and forth on Twitter and it's just, it's cringy upon cringe. And if you've read Rob's tweets, you would know that those can get pretty damn cringy. Yeah. He's definitely not somebody I would pick a fight with on Twitter. He, he doesn't seem to mind counterattacking. That's right. For hours. We see a little more of that here, unfortunately. 
but not from Rob. No. No, we're talking about Terrific Productions LLC because they have apparently figured out how if you want to yeah. be a comic book artist, well, a surefire way to become a millionaire. They figured out the secrets to uh, untold financial success. Ryan, what's going on, man? Okay, so like, what did they do and what are they saying? Because I want to be a millionaire, but I'm not a very good artist. Do I have a shot? That's the part I'm... What are they even offering here? Are they offering... Well, they're looking for people to make comic books for them. Right, for their company, for Terrific Productions. That's right, eventually. I mean, until we see job openings, this is more of just, you know, sending tweets out to the ether. Yeah, trying to find some talent, I guess. Okay, so what what is it that they're saying? That's that yeah that's that's my I don't know if I can call it my favorite part of this story but the the tweets themselves are something you kind of have to see for yourself. Do you have 40 years left to live? Then you can become a millionaire. Already I'm I'm already a little a little concerned. Like for do you have 40 years left to live? Like I hope so. That's a weird question to Nobody ask knows somebody. how much time they have left to live unless, you know, it's that well, if you're doing the math on making a million dollars, you got to have a hard number, you know? We don't want people who are going to be dying in 20 years. That's right. It's not going to work in the math. No, you're not you're not not at, not at these uh these these comic book rates that you got here that we're about to break down here. How do you get the money though? How do you get to a million dollars in 40 years? You want to know the catch, Ryan. There's always a catch. You have to rate a return of 6% or more oh, and after you save 2273 per page, or you will fall short of a million dollars 40 years later. What? <laughs> Logical steps to become an artist millionaire. These are all tweets. These are all real tweets. These are all real tweets. If you, a comic book artist, can do two comic books, inked pages or colored pages, then you need only save from one book or do both and make $2 million or $120,000 slash year interest. Need we say more? Yeah. Like there you go. There's your there's your marketing pitch right there. I so, don't even know what I'm being pitched while reading, and I just read that just now. So from what I can tell, Terrific Productions LLC is suggesting that if you were to save ten to fifty percent or so, yeah, of all your money every month for forty years, you would have a million dollars in the bank. Sure, just don't spend any of the money that you earn. And, you figured it out, Ryan. Right? That's you the, figured it out. That's the, the secret. S- to becoming a millionaire, don't buy stuff. You just don't spend money. That's fine. You don't need to live in a house or have lights. You know, you can just yeah. dig a hole in the woods and eat squirrels and leaves. That's, That's free. I mean, yeah. all you have to do and is draw produce, comics and draw comics. You got to make sure you're drawing part. comics the whole time. So this is their their uh, their path to success. Apparently, is they're trying to to get people excited to draw comic books by. You know, giving them kind of a, a a false expectation of what the the market's like. It's actually pretty cutthroat and very much dependent on timelines. Being able to draw quickly, not so much about how much work you can take on and at what rate you can get, because most people are not getting paid a hundred percent, like the top notch rates. You know, like you know? you're gonna save those for your top notch artists. I imagine most people aren't top tier artists, and they're gonna get paid lesser rates than you know what they're what they're kind of promising here but in that case if you make less money just save half of the money and then you'll have $500,000 instead of a million dollars do you want to work for us still be rich <laughs> still be rich and you know what because we're talking about 
young blood and Rob Liefeld was brought up on this. Yep. I also felt like it worth mentioning that he also has gone to Twitter again to announce again that he has drawn his last cover for Marvel for what will be for quite some time. Yeah, he did a variant for uh, as we're recording this today is Deadpool number one is the new Deadpool series. He did a variant for that, and apparently that's the last Marvel work he's going to be doing for, you know, the foreseeable future. Until he wants to make some more money or something. Until Major X2 comes out. That's I'll right. be there at the, you know, at the front of the line for that one at my local comic shop. Yeah, but don't bring him that Spider-Man Deadpool comic or any facsimiles, because those are on his ban list. All of my Rob Liefeld comics that I have. I think it's funny that Tom McFarlane, his ban list are comic books that are all worth like $500. You know, $300 books. Rob's like, that's a dollar? Nah, I don't want it. <laughs> no Spider-Man Deadpool for me. Nope, that's a $3 comic book? I'm not signing that. Salty. Nope. All right, uh, dollar bin diving on the Key Collector app. This is just something I got to mention at least once a month to the community. This is a my, it's my favorite category on it's, the app. It's fun. There's it's my of, favorite. There's one. a lot of gold nuggets in here. This one was updated in the last 24 hours i've never heard of it it's fantastic it's mystic number 15 and i'm just letting the community know as soon as i saw this i went to ebay and i bought me a copy and i think it's like six bucks is what i paid after shipping so do you know why i bought this issue what's mystic 15 tom mystic 15 okay this is a comic book it's done by cross gen comics pretty this sure is what the cover looks like Okay. It looks like a 90s comic, right? Yes. Well, very. guess what? It's not a 90s comic. It came out in 2001. Gotcha there. But it, basically it's basically a 90s yeah, comic. That's how that works. But here's it's the overlap. thing. Written by Ron Mars. Cool. Illustrated cool. by Brandon Peterson. But here's the fun thing. Brandon Peterson, on page three to four, he does this two-page spread. And he has like a scene happening at a bar. And what's really cool about this is that this is at a time when Harry Potter was really getting popular. 2001, right? So Harry Potter, it was, you know, it was, it was popping. And do you remember what J.K. Rowling at that time, what her opinion were was on comic books at that time? No, I just know that I've asked on this channel before, like why there are no Harry Potter comics. It seems like a surefire thing that DC and Warner Brothers should be putting out. Well, apparently back then she was very stern about not wanting to see Harry Potter comics for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Yeah, why specifically comics? I don't know. It's just what I found online. There were movies coming out. Yep. Wanted Video it, games. Probably just wanted it in her book and nothing else. But mm. what is really cool is that in this two-page spread, this artist decided to put Harry Potter in the scene. In this bar? In this bar. You Old see... 12-year-old Harry Potter? There's actually a bunch of characters and some characters that are licensed in there. I mean, you have the you have a Sandman that's in there and there's a, there's a handful of others. But there is a Harry Potter head right they just the ma scene. magical, magic-flavored characters? Is that the theme yes. here? Okay. Yes, magic-flavored characters. There's like almost a, a, a Gandalf or maybe Dumbledore-ish looking character at the bar. But the dead giveaway, aside from the John Lennon glasses, is the wand he's holding as well as the various snitch, you know, the balls, the snitch balls, snitch. That's what they're called. They're called the snitch, but there's typically only one snitch. Right. But they're snitch eyes. There's a bunch of them. Yes, snitch eyes. Snitches. Snitch plural eyes. Of, the plural of golden snitch. But there's a bunch of golden snitch. Snitch snitches. Golden snitches. Uh, let us know in the comment section what, if we know the plural. The plural of snitch is. Yeah, is Thanatos out there? If you if you know what the plural of golden snitch is, please please uh, please enlighten us. 
but they're all over this panel, and it is awesome. Flying all over that bar, that'd be kind of. I wonder what happens if you catch one. Do you get like a bunch of golden, you know, a bunch of bunch of free alcohol? You think that seems like a, a dangerous money. thing to have in the bar? Just a bunch of like flying people, drunk item. people would be jumping around trying to catch it. I right? Would, I would. I would try to catch it. That's right. Who knows what you get? It's like you want to be the guy who's like, I'm not going to catch it. I, don't I got the snitch. Guy. I got it. Nobody cares. <laughs> no one cares. You're just, no, you're just that guy at the bar. <laughs> oh, and then we also have some giveaways. Sin City, first appearance in this graphic novel. Comment down below. We're also going to be giving away a Comic Tom exclusive of Undiscovered Country. Did you see what they're selling for? More than the box costs. That's right. We have exclusives that have officially broken past the cost of our subscription box. Comment down below. And this is actually going to be your few opportunities to be able to win a copy from us because we're not selling these on the internet. No, no. No, we're going to let the market does what it does. It's its own beast. Let it do what it do. As they say, let All it right. do what it do. Ryan, tell the community about Metal Shark, bro. Metal Shark, bro. That's the uh, exclusive we have for December. Ryan, this is an homage to mm. Submariner issue number five, is it not? Indeed. Indeed and, it is, sir. And what is Metal Shark, bro, about? Metal Shark, bro, is the tragic tale of... The shark who decides to eat a Satan-worshipping badass and becomes a heavy metal human-eating shark man. That's right. Bro. Metal shark, bro. If you like stoner comedy, if you like weird comics, independent goodness, well, this is the book that you got to read. I thought this would be dope. And you know what? Tiger shark, like I had to pick that homage. 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 I cannot say this word for the life of me, comic it's, it's pretty hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. It's because uh, we spent so much time looking it up. Like, how do you say it? Which is right. And if you we, say homage, you are referencing art. Yes. If you say homage, you are like paying tribute. Like a dirty peasant. <laughs> paying Game tribute to the king. Yes. In King of, king of Thrones or something <laughs> like that. We were going to do like a whole segment on homage or homage just because it's, a, it's apparently... Very difficult to figure out which is which. Nobody, and we probably have a knows. and we have a backlog of like four hundred videos of me saying it probably all different kinds of ways. It's funny. Yeah. It's very funny. So explain one more time. Which one is it? When talking about art. The important one that we use in this community. Homage. Homage. Got it. Yes. Comic fan, we do appreciate your time. Hit the subscribe button. We talk a lot about comic books throughout the week. And grammar. And grammar. That's right. All good stuff. Brought to you by the letter R for Fire Guy Ryan. We appreciate it. Thanks for watching our show. It's awesome. You know, you guys are the best community in the world. Don't forget to check out the uh, audio-only portion of the show that we're about to do right after this. Yeah, we're going to keep it going on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. As always. Don't forget to geek responsibly. Enough said. Holy smokes, Ryan. All right, so I have a couple things I want to chat with you about. The first one is Hill House of Comics. Basketful of Heads. It's a couple weeks old now. Right. Really enjoyed it. And the thing I enjoyed about it most was that it was paced very well, and it wasn't silly horror it made me think it's kept me interested and the ending was like a taste of what's to come and i i can't get enough of it basketful of heads was super slow i enjoyed how slow it was i think a lot of people don't like slow storytelling in their comic books especially but basketful of heads is i was worried it was gonna immediately start with a girl chopping off heads with a magical axe but it's not no, we're not even. We didn't even get like a hint of that stuff. The only thing we know is, which is from the summary, the synopsis that was being solicited, is that there's an axe that when you chop, when you use it to chop someone's head off, the head is still alive. So that's not a spoiler. That's the only no. thing that we know. That's the premise of the whole comic. But issue number one, it 
didn't really feel like that was the premise of the of the whole thing. Like the story itself is so much more than that. Very intriguing. Yeah, it's a, it's a little less supernatural, which, which is I'm, surprising. Like you, th- I thought this whole thing would be supernatural. You got you got to lay a good groundwork first. I'm glad I'm glad it's starting with a slow burn. You can tell that Joe Hill has his hands in this. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's pacing this man. He's he's taking it slow. And I wanted to bring that up because there's another comic that has come out in the last couple of weeks in the Hill House of Comics. Right. The uh, second the second story after after Basketful of Heads, we're looking at the Dollhouse family. Dude. I love this. This is super cool. This is the one I was most excited to read. It is so weird. And you know what? I don't even care if I spoil this for people. Comic fam, go and get it. It's been out for a few weeks. It's I wanna I wanna dive into it. The one thing I'm gonna say is I'm not gonna tell you the ending. How about that? The ending of this issue is gonna make you crave the next issue. Did not see it coming either. Which is like really? Right. You know what I mean? I didn't, but at, you know, at the same time, you're kind of thinking like, how else could this happen? Like, the, they they clearly do a good job of establishing the less than stellar family dynamic. So, I mean, something like this happening is inevitable, I guess. But it definitely happens way earlier than you would think something like like this would happen in a story. So, there's like two different things, technically three different places in this story that we're following. Sure. All right. So the first place is we have very little idea of what's going on. It's in the past. Right. The flashback sequence. I have my predictions of what the flashback sequences are, but it's very fantasy. It's right. mystery. There's a giant being, like a beast, giant humanoid being. Living in the cave. Living in a right. cave. And let's just keep it there. Like, let's not get sure. into it. I mean, right? Because, okay, we're talking about a dollhouse, right? Yeah, apparently. So, apparently, there's a giant beast in a but cave. But there's some, yeah, kind of weird, crazy, supernatural monster in a cave happening. That ties to this dollhouse 10 years later, apparently. Who knows? Yeah. Don't we don't know yet. It's very early. exact time frame that we're talking about. But it was it was before the main action of the story that we're following with this girl. With the do- actual dollhouse. And what's going on with this girl in the dollhouse and her family? She's, for her birthday, uh, she's like six or seven, I think. Little kid. Yeah, she's given this old, old dollhouse. Alice, I think is her name? Yes, I think so too. She's given this dollhouse that we find out is made a long time ago, which is kind of the clue that we might be seeing the origin of this dollhouse in flashback form because... Like with the cave and everything. Like maybe that's connected because we're finding out how the dollhouse was made or something. Potentially, yeah. Well, we don't know. Well, we do know is that this dollhouse is extremely well-crafted and it's very old and mysterious. And the little girl seems to kind of really take a liking to the dollhouse and she really gets into it and starts talking with the dolls and like playing with the dolls. And the parents are thinking like, oh, she's just really into her new her new dollhouse that we got for her. But it turns out it's a little more sinister and there's kind of like some evil Indian in the cupboard stuff going on with these with these dolls and they're... they're they're talking to her. Yeah, they're the dolls are sentient. Yeah. They can speak to her and they can also help her shrink so she can enter their world. Yeah, that's the part where you you'd go tell your parents that the dolls are something's going on with this dollhouse and they're trying to get me to say some magic spells to make me shrink down to their size and live with them in their dollhouse and that's Mom! My toys are talking to me. What do you do? Oh, what man. do you do? I'm never having kids. What do you do if your kid's like, Mom... You just bought a nice, expensive, cool, you know, exquisite dollhouse for your child. And turns out it's some cursed dollhouse that's trying to, like, shrink your kids. 
take them, kidnap them into some kind of like paranormal dimension. Right? Pass. Pass, right? Just, just not an option. Xbox. Xbox. Here's your Xbox. Play Halo. It's less likely to suck you into it. <laughs> so there's like three different planes of existence we're following here. Right. So we got the main story, the flashback story. What's this third plane of storytelling? In the dollhouse. In the dollhouse. Yeah. It's like a whole separate world. Because, yeah, she shrinks down. She goes in. She's introduced to the husband, the wife, and there's a little daughter doll. Mm-hmm. And they offer to help her. They yeah. offer to help Alice in a very strange way. Because her her father is abusive right, to her mother. And it's kind of seeming like not quite abusive to Alice herself yet, but it seems to be... Emotional abuse. Yes, definitely emotional abuse, but he seem, he makes a few offhanded comments that seem like any minute now he might snap mm-hmm. and you know escalate his abuse to the child in addition to the wife. So the dolls start talking to Alice about this stuff, and she's getting a little freaked out and doesn't really agree with the solutions that they are offering. The whole thing is just really creepy. It's sinister. And she's she's really young, so I mean, maybe that explains why she's not quite weirded out like this. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You have to assume that the adolescence is in, in just the the her vulnerability, her just not understanding the situation at all. Like she thinks she's living in a fantasy world right now, and she is technically. Yeah. So yeah, maybe this is like her dream come true. Like she's shrinking down and living with her dolls in a dollhouse. She's scared of her father. Worried yeah. about him. Worried about her mother. Like she's she's. Very vulnerable. A lot of cool things being set up in just in just one issue. And then the ending. By the time you get to the end, you're like, wow, this this feels like the ending of issue five or six, not not issue one. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, whoa. And yeah. we won't say anything from there. But all I can say is that as soon as I saw the solicitations for this whole comic run that Joe Hill is tied to, I've been pumped. I'm ready for good horror. And we're seeing it now. And I'm also watching marvel make some horror moves as well you know with dr strange surgeon supreme right yeah you that, and jeff were talking about that you know we we're chatting about that last week and and i was thinking about this over this past week thinking about like the hills house of comics and a handful of other things i mean really dc black label in general is, is so much more dark and we're going to see some hellblazer soon that is going to continue with this dark tone Marvel's now taking Doctor Strange and they're saying they're trying to make some of the most morbid stuff they've ever written and, and drawn. Plus you got, you know, Al Ewing on Immortal Hulk. There's some pretty dark, scary, horror-flavored things happening there. I'm interested to see what he's going to do, by the way, when he takes over Guardians after Tony Cates leaves. Oh, me too, man. Like, that's going to be weird. Like It's going to be weird and I'm really excited to see what he does to that run because there's going to be a lot of followers from Immortal Hulk that are going to go to Guardians like me, just because of his run on Immortal Hulk. Well, I'm reading Guardians too. I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying Kate's Guardians. Run, Kate's Guardians run is awesome, dude. If he can Maddie. bring, yeah. If if Al Ewing can bring a little smidgen of that Immortal Hulk energy over to Guardians, to something that's so happy and not Immortal Hulky, like, um, yeah, I don't even know why we're talking about that instead of Dollhouse Family. I know, right? Ah, oh, comic books. It's all good, man. We got a lot to a lot to look up and keep track of and to read. Yes. Yes, this is a this is a very good time for comics, especially because it's the end of the year, and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to go backwards and think about like all the cool new things I found this year. Well, Just, you know what, I'm having a really good time using the new app, the uh, previews app to order your comic books. Oh yeah, like adding to yeah. your cart and everything. 
you know, I want to just encourage the comic book fam. In the description, we put Russ's Patreon to Milk Geek Comics. This is all of our comic book stores. Like, this is ours, but this also can be yours as well. And the way that it works is Russ, Milk Geek Comics, was actually one of the few stores to pilot this ability to order comics. And the way that it works is if you are a patron, you get free shipping through his store. He's going to always send you your comics free every month. So that's how that patron... uh, you know, once a month payment because you know you pay every month for your Patreon, right? Right. Um, I think it's like five bucks, but that covers your shipping every month, so you get free shipping. Cool. So that that reserves your box at, at the store. But what's really cool about Mill Geek is you get set up through this pull list service on the internet. Russ helps you set it up, and from then on out, you actually keep control. You pick and choose everything that you order. I mean, you don't have to flip through physical catalogs and like talk to your comic book shop guy about what you want to add or take off your list it's all handled yourself through the website and i've i've personally spent so much time scrolling through every single thing that's coming out every month and like going i'm adding that to my cart i'm adding that to my cart adding that and before you know it your pull list is much more not even not even bigger i don't want to say just like bigger but like more i've noticed at least for me it's more in tune with like what i actually there's more stuff on there i didn't realize i wanted right yeah, it's 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 letting me look more at the at the independent and the the smaller publishers too, not just you know Marvel DC image. I miss out on variants a lot too. Yeah, and this prevents reprints. me from happening. Reprints yeah. as well. Exactly. I mean, I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that they were making a facsimile of that. Mm-hmm. I just I'm gonna get one. I don't even care. I want one. I want two. You know, give it a, give this one as a gift. You know, mm-hmm. and going through, you're right. Like my my box is so much well made. It's so much more maintained. I find I take more risks. Yeah, using the website, it's it's bad because then I find like, oh wow, I've added a lot of comics this month. Oh yeah, warning, you may end up wanting to read more comics. Yes, but that may be your goal. That's how and I'm getting my the, trades now. Oh, there you go. I'm getting my trades through them, and it it's just all it all happens the same time I go get my comics. Okay, so the fact that you're getting your trades that means something because, dude, you're notoriously a digital reader. Yes. So yes, that too. The convenience is so good that you're like, oh, yeah, okay, give me the trade. Mm-hmm. I like it. Plus, I get it all from my homie Russ. There you go. And you help support the show and our friend Russ, who that too. You know, is a valued member of this team. Thank you, Comic Fam. We do appreciate your time today. Podcast. We gotta get Russ on the podcast. I know, man. We gotta do it. Sometime soon. We'll get you here, Russ. We're trying. Comic Fam, we got so much stuff coming at you in the new year. By the time this bonus show actually gets released, it's actually gonna be close to the new year, if not 2020. So thanks for listening to us. We grew a lot this year. It's been a fun year. Yeah, for those who are, you know, listening to the bonus show on YouTube and Comic Fam who've listened to the bonus show on the audio platforms you're what keeps us going thank you we're doing it for you we're doing it for you guys and for us a little bit for us too yeah this is actually a lot of fun we like doing the audio only stuff it's more fun yeah less camera work but ryan you still look at the camera all the time i look at the camera more when it's just the audio i've been noticing in the past 15 minutes you just did it again it's okay though just now so that's either that or i make direct eye contact with you like this yeah that's awkward it's intimidating staring him down i'm the alpha here i'll end the show Goodbye, comic fam. I'm in charge now. Good day to you.